Hey everyone, thanks for coming back. Uh, so today's a little bit special. Instead of being one of the normal episodes, this is actually a live recording from one of our panels. This is from December 3rd. It is me, Madison, and my daughter Lila presenting at GalaxyCon in Columbus. It's going to feel a little bit different, so it's not the normal flow of the show. But I've wanted to share this with all of you for quite some time, especially for those of you who can't make it out to the conventions that we present at. I just want to remind everyone to please fill out the listener survey. It's on our Twitter and Facebook. You can find it in the episode description. Your feedback's really important to us. And I want to make sure that we are touching and discussing topics that are important to you. So if you can just take a few minutes to fill that out, we would all really appreciate that. I honestly cannot wait for the new year and everything that's about to drop. I also want to give everyone a heads up that there are a few moments in this episode where the audio is going to pause and I'm going to explain what we are discussing. Uh, This is because we are playing videos at the presentation that I cannot distribute on the podcast. So I want to be respectful of other artists and other creators. So I appreciate your patience with that. I'm going to do my absolute best to record something else to put into the feed here before the new year just to hold you over. I cannot wait for our first episode back in the new year. Stay tuned for more announcements at the end of the episode. Thank you, everyone. So it's 11.30. We're going to begin. Thank you uh, for being awake this early. This is too early to be awake. It's not. I'm just kidding. We've been up since 7. I didn't want to be Welcome to, I think this is Columbus's first GalaxyCon, because I think this is GalaxyCon's first year, if I'm not mistaken, but welcome to GalaxyCon. Let's try it again. Let's try it again. Welcome to GalaxyCon. So, so what is GalaxyCon? It's a convention for the galaxy. No, it's not. There's no other galaxy here but ours. <laughs> you don't know that. That guy right there might be from, from Andromeda. You don't know? I have no idea. All right. Anyways, thank you for coming. Uh, I'm one of the four Five. hosts. One of the four hosts for the Pokey Science Podcast. Uh, we're in our fifth year here. Uh, if you've never heard of us, well, now you have. Congrats. Check us out when we're done here. Uh, my little helper here today is Lila, our Pokemon trainer, Lila. My moniker is Professor Madison. The show is essentially, it's a simple premise. We started it uh, five years ago where we were talking about the animals and mythologies behind some of our favorite Pokemon. And that was our first year into the second year. started adding another host. We started doing interviews. And at this point, we've interviewed some 30 or 40 researchers around the globe. I mean, I, I once had to be up at 2 a.m. interviewing a dragonfly expert from Australia talking about the visual sims, visual systems of a dragonfly. You're not. Okay, thank you. Mama, are you going to start now? But yeah, if you get a chance, check out the show. Um, we, five years running here. Um, so, uh, yep, so without further ado, uh, if you want to, if you could, it'd be really fantastic, fantabulous. If you want, we are on Twitter and Facebook. There's QR codes right there if you want to follow us. Tweet a picture at us. Uh, anything you want to do, we will give you a shout out here at the end. Sometimes we have prizes at conventions. I might have prizes at our other panel today, but I do not at this morning because you do. 
It was a hectic morning, and we're just going to say that. We're just going to say that. Hectic morning. So this panel, sorry, this panel is going to be divided into two parts. So we are talking about Pokemon in the real world. We're going to first talk about Pokemon in the real world, the counterparts, some of the ones that we've selected. And then we're going to talk about some real animals. Animals that were better than Pokemon. <laughs> sorry. We're both like, wait, we need water if we're going to do this. <laughs> All right. So first up, who's that Pokemon? It's Talonflame. Oh, it didn't even show it yet. Don't, don't do that. I know. It's not there. It's not coming up. It's Talonflame. Yeah. So we're going to talk about Talonflame. Um, Talonflame here is based on the Haas Eagle. Now here's some things about Talonflame. Apparently it can carry more than 220 pounds of Ironically, the very first episode, again, as I said, we took it kind of as a joke the first year. I mean, like, we were serious, but, you know, like, in a way that you're like, no one's going to listen to this. <laughs> Here we are some, you know, I think we're at 500, almost 600,000 downloads later. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, again, like, we, we didn't think anyone was going to listen to this. But our first episode is, ironically, all about flight and how the Pokemon world's flying does not work. Because that is impossible for a bird to carry that weight. That bird is so big in real life, I don't know how it could fly. Someone couldn't carry that weight anyways. So anyways, oh, no. but apparently this thing flies over 330 miles an hour. Uh, so we're talking like mock speeds here. That is uh, way too fast for how big it is. Ash Ketchum would become liquid. <laughs> so the Haas Eagle, let's talk about this thing though, the real, the real creature. It is, it is an extinct animal. Um, they lived in what's New Zealand. And they hunted what's called the moa. And we'll talk about the moa in a second because I do want to explain this to show you how awesome this creature was. <coughs> and they are the largest eagles who have ever existed. Uh, but unfortunately, they were driven to extinction by the Maori people and not from direct in, uh, interaction. So the Haas eagle ate what's known as a moa or the elephant bird. Um, you're going to see in a second. They are the probably, moa went extinct. They did because the Maori people came on the, into the islands and uh, ate them because they're large, they're flightless, they don't run very well, pretty easy prey. So when the Haas eagle lost all of their food source, no, they... the Haas eagle did not fly as fast as the Pokemon. That I, would be impossible. That's true. <laughs> so when the Haas eagle, uh, its food source was gone, food source was gone, you know, they, they eventually went extinct as well. Stop, he's fine, he's got it. All right, so here's the Moab. So when we said big bird, we mean big bird. We mean, like, Sesame Street's got nothing on this guy here. Full-grown adult male, and it's still a good four and a half feet taller. So these things were massive, but they weren't very, very fast. So the Haas Eagle could fly in there very quick, navigate through the trees, uh, knock them over, and then they would essentially be... Uh, it suggested they ate them probably like a vulture, where they just kind of dug right in, and because of the shape of the, the beak, we're able to just kind of dig in and pull organs out, rather than kind of picking at it like other birds do. Oh, if that's gross, we got some more metal animals in here. I'm sorry. We did our best to PG this down, because uh, that's the other thing that we left out. Like, when we first started the show, it was a lot of uh, adult jokes. We'll just say that. And then we're like, oh, we have a lot of kid listeners now in year four, so we're going to change the way we talk here. I don't know that, because I didn't do that when it first started. Actually, you did. You started in the second year. You were four years old. We did our first convention Which together. is not when it first started. That's true. All right, who's that Pokemon? It's 
sand slash. Okay, does anyone know what it's based on? And if you say armadillo, I'm gonna lose it. You know what it is? I used to know. I used to know. Just say it. It's not an armadillo. No, it's what? It's a. Yeah, it's a pangolin. So a pangolin. Oh, we're gonna talk about pangolin. The pangolin is way the better most, than an armadillo. It's the most influential animal on the planet that you've never heard of. It's, it's. Oh, go ahead, talk about it. Do you want to talk about sand slash or talk about pangolin? All right, well, I'll do sand slash. So sand slash, they curl up in balls and they have these sharp spikes, right? And they they can harm their foes with it. They like spin because they're Sonic the Hedgehog. <laughs> <laughs> Sand slash apparently though they when they break their claws they grow back within a, they start growing back within a day which does not actually happen in the animal kingdom. No, that would be too fast and it could never happen. Well, and if that did happen to the pangolin, they would not go extinct so fast. Don't jump the gun, but yes, uh, <laughs> sand slash apparently can lose its its spikes once a year and they just come back. Tell, go ahead, tell us about the pangolin. It's the most trafficked animal in the world because most, uh, some people, they take its scales and turn them into medicine. But if they're scales, they're actually made of the same thing as your fingernails, yeah, which keratin. is keratin. And it doesn't help to put it in the medicine and the pangolin can't deal with its scales being gone. Humans can't digest keratin that well either. That's no. why like mammals, mammals do it in general. That's why they cough up like fur balls and hair balls. Like, Hair is also made of keratin. Like we're not able to digest that very well. So the fact that they turn this into a, uh, um, they do it into a soup, right? It's, it's surprising they can digest that very well. <laughs> they all have the poops afterwards. Um, no. <laughs> no, we have kids here. You're not gonna do that. I make. Oh, hold on, hold on. I'm an you Olympic. just talked about how you needed to change the way you talk. I'm not gonna... And now you don't? <laughs> Alright, <laughs> fair enough. Anyways, with the pangolin, all eight species are actually, uh, they're endangered and are at risk of going extinct here uh, within the next few decades, actually, because of how high, tra highly trafficked they are. So we're going to show you a video about them. We have some videos here. Hopefully they play. So this first video actually just goes over the penguin and it's discussing the trafficking and the trade of the scales and how they're used for medicine and essentially the threat to the animals. Yeah, so they're highly trafficked. Uh, I'm not going to break anyone's hearts here today. All right, who's that Pokemon? It's Bruxish. Oh, wow. Oh, you don't like Bruxish? All right, so Bruxish is introduced in Alola, which is based on... Hawaii! Because every Pokemon game is actually based on a real-world location. Yes, even Coliseum. It is, uh, I think it's Phoenix, if I'm not mistaken. And Black is White is New York. That's true. Now, every Pokemon game is an actual real-world uh, location. They, they bring in culture. The newest game, we were just talking about this in the car. They've done a great job at bringing in Spanish and, and all sorts of Spain, uh, Spanish culture into the game. Because uh, it's based on Spain, obviously. Has there ever been a Japanese game? The first, the first four. Makes sense. The first four. Because <laughs> Japan loves Japan, loves Japan. Uh, so, Brock this year, they're introduced to Lola because Hawaii. Uh, incredibly powerful teeth. They can chomp things. They, they get the strong job uh, abilities, one of their abilities, um, which makes sense here in a second. Uh, they have to be the center of attention. Or they will get mad. 
which also fits their real world counterpart. We'll talk about um, in a second. Yeah, it pretty much does. Uh, because again, their uh, their main signature ability is that like, hey, look at me. They're Stuart, right? They're Stuart from Mad TV. Look at me. Look what I can do. And no one else gets to do anything because Brooks is just here. That's how that ability works. Uh, but they're based off the reef triggerfish, which is actually the state fish of Hawaii. Do you want to try pronouncing it? Do you want me to do it? Oh, do you do? Do it. Yes! Woo! I need to have candy with me to throw candy out. That's what I need to do. Just don't throw candy out to her. That's true. Uh, so they actually have strong crushing teeth, which fix brushes. They, um, they can smash crustaceans, and they eat, they have to eat the stuff inside, because as predators do. Um, they shoot jets of water from their mouth into the sediment and turn over the crustaceans to get to that, you know, the soft parts that they like. Sorry, for us, that's, that's not gross because we have a turtle and he eats snails, so. It's gross for me. No, we have a turtle, so. And a spider. <laughs> that's true. And a cat. Um, but they, so they like to be soft. They like to live solid. Uh, they like to live on their own, but they can be incredibly aggressive. They're very territorial. Um, they do alter the coloration, kind of like brushfish has that bright, like flowy coloration. And they're actually known for biting and attacking swimmers. You want to see? They're not very nice. I don't think you want to see. So in the video, there's a diver who is down at the reefs and looking at a turtle. And all of a sudden, the diver feels a tug on their fin and turns to look. And the reef triggerfish is actually biting and yanking on the diver's fin and pulling at it. So the diver tries to swim away and get away from the fish. Uh, but the reef triggerfish continues to follow the diver. And it's for a few minutes that the, the fish continues to follow the diver. So there's all sorts of videos of it online if you want to check it out. But they can be very aggressive. <laughs> the chihuahua the ocean. I like that new name. Yes, chihuahuas are very mean, and this is like the chihuahua. There you go, there's your brush. <laughs> Alright, who's that Pokemon? It's... Clauser! So, so Clauser is, uh, does anyone know what it's based on? You can just shout out. Crayfish. No. Pistol shrimp. Yeah, they're based on the pistol shrimp. It's a real world thing, we're gonna show you. Clauser exists in the real world. In fact, it's more powerful than Clauser. Ooh. It's better than Clotzer. It's so much better. So Clotzer's got this massive giant cannon. It's just kind of like, oh, giant cannon. Uh, it shoots things out of it, right? We've all seen it. It's like. Clotzer is, and also, is not the whole body of the thing, though. It's a claw. Yeah, mostly claw. Duh. Mostly claw. Delicious claw. Delicious claw. Claw is not delicious. You cannot eat claw. My crab leg would say otherwise. You've never eaten crab leg. <laughs> What? You've eaten crab, not crab leg. Don't eat the Pokemon. All right, and well, the new game you do eat Pokemon, so spoiler alert. Uh, so it, it uh, Clauser apparently has jets coming out. Apparently it's like a propulsion system, and it uses its claw to push itself forward, moves up to 60 knots, uh, and it, it apparently is so strong it can pierce tanker holes, which makes sense when you compare the relative size to this guy. You want to talk about him? All right, so pistol shrimp is actually being studied for military applications because of its, its exoskeleton as well as what it does here with its claw. So something to note here is that it's best friends with gobies. Uh, pistol shrimps and gobies have a symbiotic relationship where 
the pistol shrimp will dig little burrows and the gobies like to live in them. But the gobies have really great eyesight and so they're kind of like, we'll watch out for predators. You dig the hole. And then when the goby sees a predator, the pistol shrimp's like, I got it. It's a win-win for everyone. It's like, it's like if you're a, you know, your ranger was blind. It's a bad D&D joke, sorry. <laughs> so anyway, the pistol shrimp has a specialized claw. It opens up and it builds pressure inside. And what it does is, as it closes down, the speed and force creates a cavitation bubble, which is essentially a bubble that has such immense pressure that it explodes. And it has to explode. Um, the water, as it explodes, the water boils as it, the bubble collapses. And the pressure and the temperature create such a force that it reaches temperatures. Um, I accidentally have the wrong thing there twice. I know what it's supposed to say. It's 40,000 degrees Fahrenheit for a blip of a second. It is hotter than the surface of the sun for a blip. Wait, how is it hotter than the surface of the sun? We're going to show that. Sun. Well, because that's how The sun is burning. So we just kind of watched a video here that shows the pistol shrimp uh, in action, uh, and it stuns some prey. So if you get a chance to check it out on YouTube, it's really worth it. Who's that Pokemon? It's... Cabbage, yeah. The ant lion, which I did not know was a real thing because I've never seen them in Ohio. Wait, you didn't know the ant lion was real, but it's everywhere else. Thank you. And we presented about it. What? And we only presented I know about it's real, real things. Thank, thank you. And Flygon, uh, who's a, a, based on the lacewing, which is the adult form of the ant lion. We're going to talk about this here in a second. So Trapinch and, and Flygon have a similar... Uh, I mean, except for Vibrava, because Vibrava is just there. But like, if you look at Trap Inch and compare that middle middle form of Flygon. So if you look at Trap Inch, and you compare it with the the uh, Ant Lion and Flygon with the Lacewing. Um, it's I mean, it's a similar trajectory. So we're gonna go through that. So Trap Inch and Flygon. Trap Inch makes a bowl-like nest where it traps for food. That's the name. Like the ant lion. Which we'll talk about in a second. Uh, Trapinch jaws can crush boulders, apparently, because Pokemon doesn't understand physics. We have another panel all about that, why you wouldn't want to live in the Pokemon world. The physics are wonky. And also it'd be expensive, because Snorlax makes a lot of poop, and someone's got to clean it up. <laughs> She's like, no poop jokes. <laughs> it's what I do for a living. <laughs> no, it's not. You're a teacher. Poop jokes. <laughs> so Flygon, Flygon's wings flap, and apparently it sounds like singing. Um, I was actually listening to the uh, Lace Wings mating calls. It doesn't sound like music to me, but it does to them. So hey, whatever works. Uh, apparently, like Flygon likes to hide in sandstorms. So let's talk about the ant lion, though. Do you want to talk about it? So the ant lion likes to dig. Dig. <laughs> do you want to do it or not? No. All right, they like to dig a bowl leg trap for their prey. Um, and they have these strong jaws that grasp onto prey and pull them back into the sediment, just like that. And then they toss the husk aside. Be quiet. And they throw their prey. They, uh, they also throw sand at their prey, like trap inch. They're like, hey, you, here's some sand. Here, eat the Fall. sand, not me. Fall. Uh, so here's what their traps look like, if you ever see these things. 
I don't know. I grew up on the lake. I grew Wait, up on Lake Erie. Is that a dive near the trap? So I grew up on Lake Erie. We had all clay. I've never seen these things where I grew up, but I'm told that they're everywhere. Do you guys have them down here? No? All right. Well, there you go. That answers my question. So here's another cute little video. So in this video, we watched the ant lion uh, create its trap where it kind of digs downwards, uh, making like a conal shape. And we watch it not only trap prey, but toss sand at them to bring them into the trap. And we see how really strong it is as it flings the husks out of the hole after it's done eating. When we come back, you're going to hear my daughter laughing, my four-year-old. She thought it was the funniest thing ever. So get a chance to check them out on YouTube. They're really cool. So as much as I'd love to watch more of that. <laughs> Uh, we gotta talk about one of my favorites to talk about in this grand presentation. Quagsire! Woo! Quagsire over there! It's not creepy, or maybe it is. It's, it's, it's not a derp. He's, a he's doing his best. So Quagsire is right, so Quagsire is four feet seven inches, which ironically or unironically is the exact same size as its real world's counterpart. <gasps> Like a broken clock twice a day. <laughs> um, they bump into boats, which happens, the real world counterpart bumps into things they don't have good eyesight. Um, and they wait to pray, wait for prey to enter their mouth, which matches their real world counterparts, which are ambush predators. Uh, slimy body, again, matches because they're based on an amphibian. Does anyone know Amphib what amphibian? Do you know which one? The Japanese, the Japanese giant salamander. It is a Japanese one, yeah, because there's a difference between the Japanese and Chinese giant salamanders. Some people think there's no difference, but there clearly is one. <laughs> there clearly. Well, duh. One's in Japan. That is not the difference. All right. So these things, they live in streams with cool, cool cold water. Um, they actually don't have gills, so they have to be in water that's oxygen-rich. Rich. And what they, what they do is they're able to absorb it through their skin uh, because of the water, uh, again, that's why they need the water to be very oxygen. -based. So they drink through their skin, so if water... They don't drink through their skin. It's, it's, it's porous enough that they can absorb some, some of the oxygen. Okay, not all. Yeah. Not all that they need, but some of it. So if the water is polluted, you'll definitely know. Well, yeah, so amphibians, and we talk about this in the show, we've interviewed amphibian experts. Uh, amphibians are indicator species for anyone who doesn't know. Uh, because of their mucous membranes on their skin, they're actually highly susceptible to pollution. So they will um, die. It's why you saw, I don't know if anyone remembers, but about 12 years ago, there was a huge push to ban antibacterial soaps. Uh, the chemicals in, I think, try, try, I'm not a chemist, don't ask me. Much to my family's dismay, I'm not a chemist. Uh, Wait, what if someone here was 12, then how would they remember? Well, then they wouldn't know. Anyways. Point is that there was a, a chemical in all the antibacterial soap about 12 years ago that was actually damaging amphibian species and causing uh, a lot of uh, a lot of them across the country to become on the endangered list. So we thus no longer use that. But it's because they, they are incredibly susceptible to anything. But they also yeah. So they're really cool. They do have Japanese giant salamanders have a very slow metabolism, so they move. Very slowly. Uh, and they have these cool hair Do they swim? Yeah, a little bit. Kind of just kind of glide. Okay, they're kind of like quagsire, fine. <laughs> they look alike. 
Uh, but they have they have these hair-like sensory cells along their body that blue. like sense movement. Again, they're ambush predators. All right, this next one I gotta warn you, and I'm sorry if I'm gonna spoil this new game for anyone. I've tried very hard not to. I've been told to remove things from some of these that we were talking about adding into here. Like, don't. But this one I had to. Originally, this next creature we put in things in the real world that are cooler than Pokemon. But thanks to our new game, we now have... Clodsire! Yeah, Clodsire. Do you know what it's based on? No, it's based on a totally different animal. We're talking about here. It, yeah, you got it? Iberian? Iberian Rivnute. It's an Iberian Rivnute. Can you guess what it does? It's the Iberian Peninsula. <gasps> Spain? And Iberian animals? <gasps> no way. Can you they guess what the Iberian Rivnute no, does? No, no links in this game. I was so upset. I was like, what? Missed opportunity here, guess guys. Guess what the Iberian Rivnute does? Oh, yeah. Do you want to guess what it does? Just like Clodsire. What does it do? What does Clodsire do? So they live in swamps and ponds, and when they're attacked, they push their spines through their skin as a defense. Which the Iberian rib newt actually does. Does too. So this used to be in our animals that are cooler than Pokemon, and we're like, man, maybe one day they'll add it. And, and they, then they did. added it. We are so happy. We're so happy they added it. When I saw Quags, uh, the uh, Paladean Quagsire evolved the first time, I was like, oh, my baby is here. Paladanian? There are no Paladanian No, that's what, that's what it's, Paladanian. Is it Paladanian? Is that? Paladanian. That's it. Thank you. Sorry. Whatever it is. The Spanish Quagsire. Not Spanish. Um, so anyways, so <laughs> So these ones can produce, uh, they, they protrude their spines through their skins, and their spines are laced with poison because Clodsire is a poison type. It's a poison type. So it's based on this real world creature that does this. It feels threatened, it will push its spines through its skin, and they're laced with poison. And it's a, it, if I'm not mistaken, it, uh, it's not a neurotoxin, that's something else. We're good. Yeah. Um, Don't talk about the non-toxin. Cool yet. thing about this, though. Cool thing about this, and it's one of my favorite things. Its sexual development actually can be determined. While it is determined by chromosomes, it actually can be overridden by temperature. So changes in the temperature of where the eggs are laid will actually change the sex of the the uh, development of the egg. That's like really cool. Like I love stuff like that. We're like, what? Good. What kind of crazy epigenetics do we have going on here? Epigenetics, look it up, awesome field. Um, so they actually have been studied in space on at least, I think it's like six different missions for several different things. One of them is in part of those that, that change in the development. The other one is that they can hold them, and I'm gonna, if you wanna cover small ears, the female can actually hold on to the sperm. Uh, I think it's like, what does it say? It's six, five months without fertilizing and the body just holds it and then five months later it will actually fertilize and so it was a, it's been, been a great animal to study in space to see how egg development and fertilization can happen in space because we can you know have that other part happen down below and then send them up and they can then be studied to see like well are there any ab abnormalities or any differences in development in space, which is actually a really important thing for us to answer since, you know, 
Daddy Elon wants us all on Mars. I'm not sure how it's gonna work out. Can't even run Twitter, dude. <laughs> uh, anyways, they apparently have regenerative properties too, like they can grow limbs and stuff. So really awesome animal. Poisonous ribs, you know, regrowing limbs. This thing's cool. I'm so happy we got a Pokemon of it. But Who's this Pokemon? This is our last real world Pokemon. You're gonna love it. I love it. We love it. It's Gastrodon. Pokemon's cute, but the real oh, animal sorry, is terrifying. You, you don't see it. Yeah, you do. You want to see neuter branches. We all want to see neuter branches. The real animal is terrifying. Never touch it. Oh, yeah. Please, please. Good good warning. Do not ever touch a neuter branch. They are incredibly poisonous. Uh, sort of. We'll talk about that in a second. Uh, we're going to talk about We're going to show them in a second. Promise you. So, Gastrodon, cool animal, right? It's got this sturdy shell. Like, it's like, Pokedex is like, oh, I can take a hit. Um, it it's not a snail. It's not a snail. It's Some people branch. think it's a snail. It's not a snail. It's a nudibranch. Um, it grows parts of its body back, and they have this sticky slime, which matches the nudibranches, as we're going to talk about in a second. But, like, they ooze this purple liquid that helps them escape. This is a nudibranch. The it looks cute now, but it's not cute if you ever saw it. So they eat sponges. They eat things like... Uh, barnacles, jellyfish, and they eat all the things that no one else wants to eat. So they're, they're really big. And they eat jellyfish, sea sponges, and like... And what they do is, if they eat something that has poison in it, they, they will take actually the take... poison for themselves. And they incorporate it into their body. And so their mucous membrane on their body then releases that toxin. So that's why I said, do not touch these. Like, if you see them stranded on a beach somewhere... Go I run away. I want to... Well, don't run away. Like, get a shovel or something. Put it back in the water. But, like, do not physically touch it. <laughs> like, it is very dangerous. I've watched videos of people touching them, and, like, they end up in the hospital. And, again, they're, like, they're yay big. They're really small. But the amount of toxin that they can concentrate because of them constantly eating things like jellies, it's just really potent. So it's really cool. I wish Gastrodon, uh, I think it used to have Toxic, right? Back, back when everything had Toxic. That guy's like, yeah, I played back then too. Everything had Toxic. My Umbreon had Toxic. <laughs> uh, so, but yeah, they, they feed by attacking prey with like, they have these rasping jaws. Uh, and they can, they can somewhat swim, <laughs> kind of. They just kind of like float. They're cute though. They are cute, right? Do they use the poison for touching other animals? It's a defense. All right, so now I do the fun part. Part two. Real world Pokemon. Things that are even better. The Who here likes ants? Haley, oh, where's your hand? Haley, where's your hand? Haley, likes ants? Haley collects ants and puts them on branches and gives them popcorn. That is true. <laughs> Yes. But and banana. Satoshi. Yeah. He was the autistic yep. child, and he used to collect insects. Yep. You know, we've done a whole we've uh, we've entomologists. Yeah. Yeah, we've interviewed a couple. Um, I actually presented with one here a couple, uh, at Matsuricon a few years ago. Um, yeah, we uh, we've uh, we've talked about that. That was uh, the basis for the games. Um, 
And he's worried about ants, though, because they do not do ants justice in this game. Oh, but it isn't a normal ant. It's a scary and gross ant. The Malaysian exploding, exploding ant. ant. And it does explode. You ever heard of this thing? No, you're going to wish you've heard of it now. You're like, this thing sounds Wait, cool. who's heard of it? Do you want to tell them what it does? It explodes. Well, don't shout in the microphone. Do you want to tell them how it does it, though? It explodes. I, I don't know. Tell. So it has two glands. Think of it like vinegar and baking soda. It has two glands in its body that are separated. And when it feels threatened, it contorts, and the bubbles burst in each of the glands, and the chemicals mix, and then like vinegar and baking soda makes a mess all over your table. That's the right answer, yes. So it, it bursts, and it creates this sticky and corrosive substance. You will never touch these things, So like, insects get, like small things get stuck to it, they're not going anywhere. Um, it's corrosive, it'll eat at them too. Larger animals, it's actually an irritant and will cause like rashes and stuff. So like, it's not fun. Now Haley, if you see this ant, don't touch it. Don't ever touch it, sweetness. She's asleep. That's okay, let her sleep. <laughs> She's tired. All right, so here's a video of it. So it's the best video I could find, but just, just so that's the ant, you know. just for your reference, just watch the ant. Just, I want you to see how big this explosion is. You're too scared. Don't cover your eyes. Hey, what's this? Oh, it's a shoe. I don't like shoes. <laughs> like literally the explosive force of this thing. It's like massive. Like we're talking 20 times the size of the animal. And it just shatters everywhere. So it's so cool to think about because like the first time I showed Lila here, Lila was like, that's the worst evolutionary defense ever. Because <laughs> it just dies when it does it. But it's not I, helping anything. But then we talked about it. Like ants and insects, right? They're colonial. They're, they colonize. So they live in such large enough groups that sacrificing 10, 12, 20 for, you know, 20,000 is actually okay. So it's actually a really good defense mechanism because they only have to sacrifice a few and the entire colony is protected. Because like, even a bird... They see that, it's, it's such an irritant that large animals are like, nope, nope, I'm out of here, we're good. I don't want anything to do with this. I, you all like Chadot, but what if I told you there's something even better? You ever heard of the lyrebird? You ever heard of lyrebird? Have you, you've heard it? Okay, so this one we just kind of jump right into uh, because there's no justice I can do other than showing what the lyre bird can actually do. So the bird can not only mimic all other birds around it and even convince potential mates of those other species, but it actually can mimic human sounds too. So it mimics like a car alarm, a chainsaw, a camera. So it's really awesome. And it, it kind of surprises everyone when it gets to the man-made sounds because they don't expect it. So if you get a chance, check that out on uh, YouTube as well. So, yeah, again, like, chat has got nothing on this guy here. Gotcha. All right, we got to show you another cool one. I swear, if we don't get this in one of the next two gens, I'm going to be heartbroken. The butcher bird. You ever heard of the Shrike? Yeah. It's bad, isn't it? Oh, they're so cute. They're cute. Look how cute they are. They're defenseless. And this is why we don't have a video of it. So... When they catch insects and in small invertebrates, they use thorns to impale them. 
and they they help that to rip apart because apparently like I guess their legs are actually not very strong so they can't like rip them apart on their own so they also will like they'll also eat things like the toxic lover grasshopper and they'll impale it and let all the toxins drain and then come back later they're like oh yeah we're just gonna wait now it's safe to eat <laughs> They apparently also treat it like it's a refrigerator. They'll leave things up there and let it like ferment and then come back weeks later. They remember where they left it and they're like, oh yeah, I'm gonna come eat this now. I'm gonna I just for that can't one. catch anything else, so I'll just eat what I have Yeah, they literally eat. save food for later. So here is the butcher bird, most metal bird ever. So the Shrike is awesome. I pretty much make jokes the entire time that we got our pink fairy, but not an amazing sword bird. Uh, we watch it impale things and then rip them apart and even use uh, little objects to rip animals apart too. So it's really awesome. Another one that you can check out on YouTube as well and really worth learning about. I like that. That's good. So yeah. Um, all right. So awesome thing. I need to see this as a Pokemon really bad. I just realized we should have left the other two in. We're doing good on time. We weren't sure. Yeah, you never know. All right, so <clears throat> this is gonna be our last one. And then if you have any questions, we can take them, or I will try. I'm not the animal expert on the show. I'm not gonna deny that. I was brought in because I'm the culture person. You wanna ask me about mythology? We can sit here and talk about mythologies and religions all day. I'm great. Who's the animal expert? Probably the two people whose degrees and fields are for that. Oh, that makes sense. That you've hung out with? I have? <laughs> yes. No, I haven't. Don. Who's Don? Okay, moving on. <laughs> so, uh, the hagfish, this is one that we need to see in the Pokemon game. Um, it's the only known animal with a skull and no vertebrae. So it has a skull, but no spine. Um, they have no jaw. As you can see the picture right there, it's like this weird comb-like mouth structure. They live in water. Well, yeah, it's a fish. It's a fish. Uh, the Probably. Mouth, the mouth of them is like this, this like comb-shaped teeth, and it's like a plate, and it like pushes in and out. Their body has over a hundred different glands along their uh, running along it that actually create this milky and fibrous slime. Oh, yeah. We're going to show you it. Oh, yeah. For sure. But don't go touching it to get the slime. Nope. Don't. Nope. Don't do that. Uh, they twist themselves in knots, and because they make the slime, they can actually get out of predators' grasp. Uh, there was a video, or there was a uh, news article, I think it was in our older presentation. I should have put it in here. I forgot. Um, there was a news article, I think it was six years ago, where six there was this hagfish. Hagfish are eaten in certain communities. And there was an accident with a truck carrying hagfish. I think it was in LA. That guy's laughing. I think he's seen it. You seen that picture? And like the entire car is just covered in slime. <laughs> and that's because these things, like they, they quickly make it. So we're going to show it to you. It's so cool. And there's your little hagfish. Looks cute. Might it be is tasty. cute. But it doesn't like being touched. It's like, don't touch me, please. But it won't bite. Here's what it does instead. Oh, it gets better. That's only a little bit. Oh my. <laughs> Isn't that mean? 
And so it just keeps making more and more and more and more of this. I guess I can make like several gallons a day. Yeah. Isn't so that mean for him to try to get the slime? Well, they're, well, they're studying it. But yeah, it's so insane. And I guess it's I guess it's like such an awful thing to clean. Like it doesn't come off with soap. It like sticks to everything. So it's it's a really cool animal to think about. You're like, well, how do you clean up this slime? Like, what do you do with it? Um, and they're they're pretty bountiful in certain parts of the world. So who knows? Y'all might be eating, eating hagfish one day. No, you won't. They're cute. They laugh, but we're all eating lionfish now. It's coming. I'm calling it lionfish. It's coming. We're not gonna place. eat lionfish. All right. Before we, before we wrap up, any questions or anything there? Because um, I guess we did end like four minutes early, which, yay. We never end early. I always end late. What do you got? Mirabelle. So the, the hagfish, do they use the slime for anything? So it's a defense mechanism, essentially. It's literally just to get out. No, I meant like, do they put it in cream? Oh, so is it being used for, um, I'm, I think it's being uh, researched right now, is my understanding. Um, but I'm not exactly sure of the applications. So they might in the future if it helps. I don't know what it could be used for. Um, that's out of my wheelhouse. I just know why the fish makes it. <laughs> sorry, I'm really sorry. We got in the back there. Um, when you were talking about Clouser and the fish culture, yeah. that reminded me of another underwater creature, which technically isn't shrimp, but an yeah, yeah, we've, we, um, so if you go back and check out the show, we interview someone who researches them. We did that last year. There's an episode in there somewhere. I wasn't in that one. I don't, I didn't, I don't remember that, who did the interview, which for the four of us did, but we did interview someone that studies, uh, mantis shrimps. Because I know that we were talking about they wanted to bring her back this year, so. They liked her. Yes? Um, about the hagfish. We're all like really stuck on that hagfish. <laughs> yeah, I guess it's confusing. It's really another question about the hagfish. Like there was hands for trying to grasp. You mean to say there are people that were actually that were actually desperate enough to have that as a pet? <laughs> no, so that actually that one there is being studied. Um, that, if I'm not mistaken, is uh, a researcher. It's not Monterey Bay. It's in Vancouver. I'm trying to remember which lab it is. So it's, a lab. it's an actual lab, yeah. That's where I got the video. It doesn't strike me as a very popular pet. No, it's not a pet. Uh, it's not a pet. For me, would be a clincher. I think the guy here at the door wants it as a pet. You want a hagfish? <laughs> he knows what it is. He's like, nope, nope, I'm good. Um, so, without that said, uh, legit, I just want to say thank you. Uh, we're tonight. I think we're back in here. Are we back in here? Yeah, I think. No. Is that what the door says? We're back in here. We're back in here because Pokemon's 151. Yeah. Uh, uh, we're going to be talking about prehistoric things tonight. So not, not so many videos, sorry. Uh, but we'll be talking a lot about that. Uh, we'll get into a lot of uh, evolutionary theory, which is actually more her than me. Can't exactly um, film things that are extinct. You can try. Film the bones moving. Wait, they can't move. There you go. Uh, but anyways, if, if you if you do like it, uh, check out the show. Legit, um, awesome, you know, awesome work, especially the work that the other three guy, the other three hosts do. Um, so yeah, we're everywhere. You name it, you name somewhere to find a podcast. So we're on there at this point. Uh, but thanks for coming. Please come back out. I'm probably gonna have candy later. I think I need to have candy tonight for questions. It's my new thing. I need to get into teacher mode better. <laughs> All right, thank you.
So I know that's not everyone's cup of tea and it's definitely not the norm around here, but I really appreciate you taking a listen. Uh, I thoroughly enjoy doing these panels with my daughter. It's probably one of my favorite things. You know, I get to hang out with one of the people I love the absolute most in the world and talk about things I love. And getting to see her excitement is probably some of the best joy I get to have. So before I go, uh, just in case I do not get to drop something new in the next two weeks, episodes are going to be released on Mondays now uh, and Wednesdays as well. We will see you in the new year. So many surprises in store. I cannot wait to introduce you to everyone. I cannot wait to show you all of the new content. And I just want to let you know, we are listening to your feedback in the survey. We are making plans because we do want to make sure that we are giving you what you want because this is supposed to be a communal thing. And going forward, we build this together. We are smarter together than we are alone. Peace.